bringing you the latest in tax credit news. This is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. The legislative challenges have been significant. We very much need legislation. We got to produce housing. We're still in a very volatile industry. It's a challenging atmosphere for almost anyone. We can't get all these mixed signals and messages. If he doesn't have a bipartisan bill, nothing's going to happen. Alternative energy is still very expensive. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, July 18th, 2017. 39 years ago today, a bill that created the first Federal Historic Rehabilitation Tax Credit was introduced in the House. The Revenue Act of 1978 created an investment tax credit equal to 10% of the qualified rehabilitation expenditures incurred on commercial buildings that are at least 20 years old and retain at least 75% of their existing walls. The legislation was signed into law by President Jimmy Carter on November 6, 1978. I'll have more news on a recent milestone for the Federal Historic Tax Credit later in the podcast. Now, let's turn to this week's tax credit news. In our general section, I'll talk about everything from a potential omnibus spending bill and appropriations for transportation, housing, urban development, and related agencies to the White House tax plan timeline. I'll also discuss an upcoming House Ways and Means Committee hearing on tax reform and how the U.S. Conference of Mayors is asking legislators to invest in affordable housing, community development, and clean energy. In long-commencing tax credit news, I'll have a co-sponsor update on both the House and the Senate versions of the Affordable Housing Credit Improvement Act of 2017. And in new markets tax credit news, I'll relay another deadline extension from the CDFI fund to submit required reports for certain programs, including the new markets tax credit. Then, I'll have our monthly qualified equity investment issues report to share. In historic tax credit news, I'll touch briefly on an upcoming meeting for the Advisory Council on Historic Preservation, and I'll provide an update on the status of state historic tax credit investments in Rhode Island. If you're ready, let's get started. In general news, The Hill reports that the House Appropriations Committee expects to finish passing all 12 of its spending bills by the end of this week. And Senior House Appropriations Committee member Tom Graves is urging his colleagues to move an omnibus spending bill including all 12 subcommittee bills before the August recess. House leadership did announce that they will poll members next week on whether to consider an omnibus spending bill before the August recess. Most policy insiders think it's highly unlikely that Congress will draft and pass all 12 annual spending bills before the end of the fiscal year on September 30th. More likely, Congress would consider a continuing resolution in September to keep the government funded through October and November. If Congress were to pass an omnibus spending bill for fiscal year 2018, it would likely be closer to the end of 2017, after overall budget levels have been agreed upon. Speaking of budgets, I want to note briefly that the House Budget Committee has scheduled a markup of its fiscal year 2018 budget resolution. The resolution calls for $203 billion in mandatory spending cuts, and it contains a budget reconciliation instructions for tax reform. The markup will be tomorrow, that's Wednesday, 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time. On the subject of appropriations, the House Appropriations Committee last night met for a full committee markup of the Transportation, Housing, and Urban Development, or THUD, Appropriations Bill for fiscal year 2018. The THUD subcommittee spending bill 
approved last week, makes available $56.5 billion in fiscal year 2018. The funding level is 2% less than that enacted for fiscal year 2017, but it's 18% more than President Donald Trump's request for 2018. I should note, the committee unanimously passed an amendment to expand the rental assistance demonstration to include Section 202 project rental assistance contracts. That would create an important tool for preserving certain elderly affordable housing communities. Advocates of the provision hope to get it into the Senate T-HUD bill. You can find details of the House T-HUD subcommittee appropriations proposal on the notes from the Democratic blog. Meanwhile, the Senate T-HUD's appropriations subcommittee is expected to consider its fiscal year 2018 bill on July 25th. That's next Tuesday. In other news, the White House plans to release a tax plan by early September. This is according to Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin, who said that in an interview on ABC. Mnuchin said the administration aims to have a full-blown release of the plan in early September and have it passed before the end of the year. Mnuchin said the administration has held listening sessions with 300 to 400 business leaders and has had weekly meetings with House and Senate leaders. Even so, time is running out for meeting a 2017 tax reform time frame. House members are planning to leave for their August recess as scheduled on July 28th. That's next week, Friday. They're not scheduled to return until September 5th. On the other side of the hill, though, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell announced that he would delay the Senate summer recess until the third week of August to allow for more time to work on matters such as tax reform. As you may have heard, Senate consideration of a health care replacement bill has been derailed, at least for now. Republican Senators Jerry Moran of Kansas and Mike Lee of Utah said yesterday they would not support Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell's bill to overhaul the Affordable Care Act. That means Senate Republican leaders do not have enough votes to advance the legislation. Following the defections, Senator McConnell announced that the Senate would hold a vote this week on repealing Obamacare without an immediate replacement. Most likely, this pushes back the prospects of tackling tax reform even farther. Announced that the bill was essentially dead, and they would take up a full repeal without replacing Obamacare. More on that on tweets and future podcasts. It's unclear if this revelation from last night on the health care legislation in the Senate will actually speed up or slow down the process of tackling tax reform. Continuing the discussion of tax reform, the House Tax Policy Subcommittee, a subcommittee of the full House Ways and Means Committee, held a hearing last week on tax reform. The hearing focused on growing small businesses and jobs. Subcommittee Chairman Peter Roscombe proposed lowering the tax rate on small businesses, and his other proposals included eliminating depreciation schedules and instead permitting immediate expensing, eliminating the alternative minimum tax, as well as abolishing the so-called death tax or estate tax. The Tax Policy Subcommittee has scheduled another tax from hearing for tomorrow. That's Wednesday, July 19th at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. The topic tomorrow will be how tax reform will simplify the tax code and help individuals and families. Now, you should note that you're welcome to submit written comments for the hearing record. Comments are due by Wednesday, August 2nd, and that's two weeks from tomorrow. You can go to the Ways and Means website for more details. 
I should also mention that the Senate Finance Committee is holding a hearing today on the prospects and challenges of comprehensive tax reform. That hearing is being held as I'm recording this podcast. I will report back in next week's podcast with more information on today's Senate Finance hearing. I'll switch gears now and go to the U.S. Conference of Mayors. They unveiled a proposal in late June that calls for more investment in affordable housing, community development, and renewable energy. It's a very bold agenda. The group met in New Orleans, and their proposals include increased funding for the Housing Trust Fund, public housing, and the Housing Choice Voucher Program. Furthermore, the mayors also called for passage of the Affordable Housing Credit Improvement Act for continuation of the Home Program and Community Development Block Grant Program, for prioritizing federal tax credits for renewable energy, for permanence of the new market tax credit, and for passing a major infrastructure package that would help address a $4.6 trillion national shortfall in infrastructure needs. The U.S. Conference of Mayors is an organization of cities with populations of 30,000 or more. If you want to see the report, go to www.mayorsagenda.com. In affordable housing news, a major bill to enhance the long housing tax credit gained five additional sponsors last week. I'm talking, of course, about the House version of the Affordable Housing Credit Improvement Act of 2017. That's the bill introduced by Representatives Pat Tiberi and Richard Neal. The legislation would create a minimum 4% credit rate and, among other things, would also increase the credit for certain bond finance properties and would allow for income averaging. The latest co-sponsors of the bipartisan bill include three Republicans and two Democrats. The Republicans are Larry Bouchon of Indiana, Daryl Issa of California, and Roger Marshall of Kansas. The Democrats are Shelley Pingree of Maine and Robert Brady of Pennsylvania. This brings the co-sponsor tally to 74, and they include 43 Democrats and 31 Republicans. Meanwhile, the Senate version of the bill has 19 co-sponsors, 10 Democrats, 8 Republicans, and 1 Independent. As you'll recall, the Senate bill was introduced by Senators Maria Cantwell and Chairman of the Senate Finance Committee, Orrin Hatch. The Senate version is similar to the House bill, with the main difference that the Senate version includes a 50% increase in local housing tax credit allocation authority, and the House bill does not. The House bill is H.R. 1661, and the Senate bill is S. 548. In speaking of improving the program, the Local Housing Tax Credit Working Group holds a conference call every month to discuss technical and administrative program issues, as well as ways to enhance the Local Housing Tax Credit program. It's a working group led by Novograd and Company, and the LHTC working group's comments are submitted directly to the IRS or other appropriate agency. If you're interested in joining the working group, please go to the LHTC working group page at www.taxcredithousing.com. Also, we do accept input on suggested changes from non-members. In community development news, the City of Five Fund last week announced another extension for filing compliance reports that were originally due on June 29th or June 30th. Some of these reports concern the New Markets Tax Credit Program. According to the City of Five Fund, users have continued to experience technical issues with the Community Investment Impact System, or SIS. And I can personally attest 
to challenges our clients have faced complying with the system. So the CDFI fund pushed the deadline to July 31st for those reports. This follows an earlier two-week delay for the same reason. Your new market assessment reports should still be submitted through SIS. You can access SIS through the CDFI Fund's Awards Management Information System, or AMIS. The new market assessment reports that have the later deadline are audited financial statements, transaction-level reports, and institution-level reports. This delay also applies to award recipients in the Native American CDFI Assistance Program, Capital Magnet Fund, and all other CDFI programs. If you have specific questions about this, please reach out to Brad Elphick in our Atlanta, Georgia office. In other New Markets Tax Credit news, the CDFI Fund last week released its latest Qualified Equity Investment Issues Report, or QEI report. The report identifies the total dollar amount finalized by New Market Tax Credit allocatees and the amount that remains to be issued. The CDFI Fund reported that more than $648 million in allocation authority had been issued since the last report in May. The amount finalized since the beginning of the program has now reached nearly $44.8 billion. As of the report's July 10th release, the amount of new market tax allocation authority still available is more than $5.7 billion. If you'd like to see the latest QI report, go to www.newmarketscredits.com. Now a reminder, the deadline for prior allocatees to meet QEI-issued requirements is August 18th. That's a month away. And if you have any questions about meeting these issuance thresholds, please contact my partner, Brad Elfuck, in our Atlanta Metro office. In historic tax credit news, the Advisory Council on Historic Preservation, ACHP, will gather this Thursday and Friday for its summer business meeting in Washington, D.C., Agenda items include discussions of preservation funding and tax reform. The meeting will also provide an update on the implementation of the ACHP's infrastructure report. Now, speaking of reports, at this meeting, the ACHP will discuss its triennial report for the President on Federal Historic Property Management. It's due in 2018. And by the way, this Friday marks the 50th anniversary of ACHP's first meeting in the swearing-in of its original members. We congratulate the ACHP on 50 years of helping influence historic preservation policy. In state news, nearly $230 million in potential development in Rhode Island is on hold. This is because the 2018 state budget hasn't passed. Rhode Island's budget was due July 1st, but the state legislature is in a standoff over the new budget. The House and the Senate can't agree on the final numbers and members have left the state capitol. And that's a problem for those in the historic tax credit world because the state historic tax credit expired on June 30th. A two-year extension for the credit is part of the proposed budget. But until it's passed, there are 30 projects that are in limbo, awaiting approval. A spokesman for the State Department of Revenue told Rhode Island Public Radio that those projects represent more than $228 million in rehabilitation expenditures. To be clear, some of those developments aren't shovel-ready, so work wouldn't have begun immediately anyway. But the delay is still troubling to Rhode Island developers who can't finalize some of their financing until they get official approval for the state credit. Rhode Island developments that are already approved can continue construction, of course. 
This only affects those awaiting approval by the state. Since the Rhode Island Historic Tesco program began in 2002, it has created $1.45 billion in private investment on 257 projects around the state. I will keep you updated on the Rhode Island budget situation in future podcasts and or on Twitter. Well, that brings me to the end of this week's report. But before we wrap up, I'd like to welcome Stephanie Nocken to Novograd and Company's compliance team. Previously, Stephanie was the Director of Multifamily Compliance with the Texas Department of Housing and Community Affairs. With more than 15 years of experience working in affordable housing, Stephanie has extensive knowledge of both the private and regulatory sectors of the industry. Stephanie joins Novogradic as a multifamily compliance manager in our Austin, Texas office, and she'll serve clients nationally with services such as tenant file reviews, preparation for state agency monitoring visits, helping you determine the best utility allowance strategy for your property, providing on-site training, and many others. I invite you to reach out to Stephanie with any compliance questions. Her email is Stephanie, S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E dot Nakin, N-A-Q-U-I-N at Novaco.com. Well, that's it for now. I'm Michael Novogratik. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratik and Company, LLP. Archived discussions are available online at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. Novogratik and Company LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novaco.com.